Hello you guys, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the expansion of the Kingdom Ministries. I'm here with another word, another word, another word, another word, and we are being like Jesus today when he was stepping on the Pharisees' toes, okay, okay, okay. Now don't shoot the messenger, take it to God, take it to God, take it to God, and take it to God, okay? So, I was watching the movie called The Shack, okay? And if you do not know what The Shack is, it is a book. It originally started as a book, um, but then it turned into a movie. So, if you're not a reader, I highly, highly, highly suggest that you go check it out. Um, The Shack, I believe it's on Netflix. It was. It used to be on Netflix. Um, Amazon Prime videos. Just look up The Shack on Google, and I'm sure the movie will pop up. Um, But I highly, highly, highly suggest the book. Even if you're not a reader, this book is going to engulf you. You're going to be so invested in it that you may even finish the book in one day, okay? Um, But why I highly suggest the book is because in the movie, now don't get me wrong, I've read books and then watched movies, and the movie did not give it justice. It didn't put in... It left out a large chunk of details, and it just wasn't as good as the book. This movie is a very, very good. It does a good job at encapsulating pretty much everything that the book talks about. The movie encapsulates that. But one of the things that I was very upset about is in the ending, it um, leaves out... The most important part, I feel like, the the part where it confirms that this guy really did have an experience with God. It wasn't just a dream. It wasn't just a fantasy. It was literal, real life. Literal, real life. Um, I'm not going to ruin it for you guys, but I really highly, 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 highly suggest that you check out the movie and the book. But in this movie, in the book, he's having an experience with Jesus, and he's talking to him about religion and being a Christian. And Jesus goes, he's not really concerned about religion. He wouldn't even really consider himself a Christian. And I know that's going to rub some people the wrong way, but... This is the experience that that this man had with Jesus in his encounter. And if you look at Jesus's journey while he was doing his three and a half years of discipleship, I was wondering what that is. What is that? A fly? I thought it was something on the ground. But, um, yes, so... If you look at what Jesus did, what his action was, 
he always was stepping on the Pharisees' feet. Sorry, He was always stepping on the Pharisees' feet. And he was constantly, constantly having them even question themselves about the religion that they followed. Now, these men highly, highly, highly believed that they were serving God because they were following the rules of religion. They were following the rules of law. And so I gave this example before, but it just really speaks to me about how the Pharisees were. But I'm going to give two examples. And the first one is one that I've already talked about. And it was about how this man had basically been able, he wasn't able to walk for pretty much his whole life. And he would sit and wait to be healed. And healing never came. Well, finally, Jesus encountered this man. And he said, pick up your mat and go once he healed him. And the Pharisees were so outraged at Jesus that he would even heal a man on the Sabbath. Because according to religion, according to the law, you were not supposed to do any works on the Sabbath day. It was the day of rest. You know, God created the world in six days and on the seventh he said to rest. Okay, so the religion they were following and they thought that they were serving God. They thought that they were, you know, being upright and, and justice and serving justice for God. But they didn't see the miracle that had happened in front, right in front of their faces. Some people can, the evidence can be right in front of their face and they still choose not to believe. This man was unable to walk. He was unable to walk, right? And think about the, the, the feelings that come with not being able to walk. You feel like you lost your independence. You need help to do things, right? You feel like you lost your freedom. You're not able to do the things that you wish to do or that you see others do. Depression hits. You're sad. Because you are not able to live a normal life. This man struggled with this. He was wishing and hoping and praying that he could get healed. So being hit with disappointment. Disappointment. He was trying to have faith that he would be healed. But year after year, day after day, he was not healed. Imagine the internal struggle and spiritual battle that this man faced for almost his whole life. Now, that is something that is so devastating and so heartbreaking and so sad to see someone go through. And the Pharisees didn't even think twice or blink about that. They didn't see that Jesus just helped this man be able to walk again, healed him from depression, revived his hope, revived his faith. And they did not even focus on any of that. They were so fixated on the law and religion that they were persecuting Jesus, talking down to him, saying, how dare you do this? How dare you do this on the Sabbath? Right? Another example is when the little girl was dead. And Jesus said, don't be sad. Don't weep. Don't worry. Fear not. She's just asleep. And he went in and he healed 
that little girl from the chains of death and he revived her and she was breathed into the breath of life and she lived again. And the Pharisees were like, this is witchcraft. How could you do this? Knowing that he was doing it in the name of God, they were calling him a witch. They were calling him blasphemy. They were doubting that he was the Messiah. They did not believe it. They could not believe it because of religion, because of law. And so if you look at these examples, Jesus was not a fan of religion. This is why Jesus says, there will, many, there will be many who say, I prayed, I healed in your name, I did all of these things. And then Jesus will say, depart from me, for I did not know you. And what I truly believe is that he's speaking to the religious people that don't have a relationship with God. They have a relationship with religion. They use religion to make them feel like they are un that they are righteous, that they are holier holier than thou. They use religion to cast judgment and condemn others. And really, Jesus says that that's not the religion that he wants to be a part of. We see so many Christians that give other Christians, that give Jesus a bad look, a bad rap. Why? This is because we have people trying to play God. They lift themselves up to this pedestal, not knowing that they are a sinner. This is why God said, how can you look and judge your brother, but you can't see the log in your own eye, right? We are so imperfect. This is why we need Jesus. We are all sinners. This is why we, we need Jesus. Now, it is very important to let people know that they are living in sin or they are doing this, that which is a sin, but in a loving way, not a condemning way. Because if God gave you the knowledge and you don't share it, well, then God said that their blood is on your hands. So it's important to share it. But not in a, I'm better, I figured it out, I cracked the code way. Trust me, I've done this before. Like, I am not perfect. I literally have done this before. I remember when OnlyFans came out, and I was like, if you have an OnlyFans, you're a prostitute, bottom line, point blank, period. I don't want to hear it. And that was wrong of me to say it in that way and to have that harsh judgment. I should have worded it differently. I should have approached it in a different way. But it upset me that all of these people are following trends and they're using their body, the body that God created to be holy and to be a temple, to go and do sex work for money. Obviously, that's wrong. It says that it's wrong in the Bible. And I just wanted to let that be known. But I was not doing it in a Jesus way. I was doing it in a Pharisee way. I was doing it in a religious way, which Jesus does not want to be a part of. I've said many things in a religious way, and I've learned that that is wrong to do. I've repented. I've turned from my ways. And at the same time I was judging others for using their body to sleep with men or to, you know, get money 
from them? I was smoking. I was smoking vapes. I was smoking cigarettes. No, I wasn't smoking cigarettes at the time, but I have before. The food that I intake, I know that it's not good. So, really, I I couldn't see the log in my own mind. Just because they were sinning in a different way didn't take away from the fact that I was still sinning. And so this is why I believe that God says he is not a fan of religion. He is not a fan of religion because what it does is it takes people from serving God to trying to become God. We get so wrapped up and so many people say, oh, I can't surround myself with people like that. They're drinkers. They cuss a lot. She does witchcraft. She believes in zodiacs. That's witchcraft. But if you look at who Jesus surrounded himself with, the 12 disciples, well, Peter was, he was cutting people's ears off. He was cursing up a storm. Mary Magdalene had demons. The woman at the well may have not have been a part of his disciples, but he went to her. He met her at the well. And he told her, you've had however many husbands, bro. But what he told her was to repent and turn from your ways. You are forgiven. I see you. I know who you are. Who you are. You are precious. When people were trying to stone the woman, he said, all of you that is without sin, cast the first stone. What did it do? Nobody could do it. Jesus had her back. People wanted to stone her. Christians want to want to cancel Christians, want to call out, oh, this is a fake prophet. Oh, this person is practicing this. This person is living unrighteous. This person is this. This person is that. They're like the people who are trying to cast the first stone, but they can't. Jesus said, if you're without sin, cast the first stone. I don't know any of us on this earth that are without sin. I don't know any of us on this earth that are without sin. Because if we were, we wouldn't even need Jesus. What was what was God coming in the human flesh for then? If we're all so perfect and we're all so mighty. No. That's not what that's not what that's not how we work. We were born into sin. We were born sinners. That's just what it is. We were born to have this emptiness inside of us for only God to fill. And if you notice, there are things, there are things, right, that you used to struggle with. There are things that before you struggled with it, you didn't even know, you weren't even aware that it was a sin. But slowly as you built your relationship with God, God led people to you. God sent videos, God sent messages, you were reading the scripture, God revealed something to you. And slowly but surely, you realized your eyes were open, your spiritual eyes were open, your spiritual ears were open, and now you realize, wow, this is a sin. And then you struggled with it. And you may still be struggling with it. Can we be honest right now? Can we be honest right now? Can we be for real? No pretending like we're all just perfect ever once we believe in Jesus, because that's not how it works, okay? I hear all of these pastors talk about you know, you beat yourself up for how you used to live and what you used to do. Portraying that who you used to be before God is not something that you can struggle with while you know God. Woo! 
I wish I was saying that how it was in my mind. But there are certain things that we're going to struggle with. It just doesn't all get better once we believe in Jesus. It's a process. It's a process, right? So God revealed to us in our own timing. He revealed to us and gave us our own conviction about what we are doing. So for us to go and tell people in a religious Pharisee way, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You're going to go to hell if you do this. You're going to go to hell if you do that. God hates that. God doesn't da 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 da. It's not going to help because if you notice, so many people could tell you, oh, don't do this. Don't do that. You know, this is going to lead to trouble. Did you listen to them? Maybe you did sometimes. And maybe there were times where you didn't listen. And then eventually the conviction of God opened your eyes and you were like, okay, I see why you were trying to tell me this this whole time. You were trying to reveal this to me. But God is patient with us. And he understands that sometimes we're not going to get it right away. Sometimes we're going to get it and we're going to fall off or we're going to go back and then we're going to come back to it. That's just honestly a part of being a Christian. And God does say that backsliding is one of the worst things that we can do. So we should aim to, once we are revealed something and once we are broken away from that bondage and that sin, try your hardest not to go back to it because it's terrible when you know better, but you don't do better. It's not a good thing. God says that it's one of the hardest things you should be better off with. And, and, and it's just explaining that, you know, how it feels to, for instance, say someone was addicted to meth. Their whole life was ruined. They got off of it years later. They were doing great for years. They started to become successful in their career. They were a great husband. They were able to take care of their kids. And then, boom, they just go back into the addiction of meth. And now their whole life is falling apart again. So this is what God means by backsliding. It's terrible to do. It's hard to get through. You just want to give up after you feel like, man, I come such a long way all to just take 10 steps back now. Might as well just keep smoking meth. Might as well just let my whole life. You have to have a very, very strong fighting spirit to get back up. But what does God say? He says, we'll fall seven times, but we stand up eight. We stand up again. If you are God's chosen person, if you are God's child, you're going to get back up again, even if we backslide, even if we wander off the path, because God has called us. There's a reason why we have a relationship with God. There's a reason why we've been able to see the things and experience the blessings and the miracles that God has done in our life. Because before the foundation of time, God took into account every single thing that you would do. But there's a reason why you have this relationship with God. There's a reason why you believe because God has called you. God has called you. You are chosen. And so we have to know that if God called us, if God chose us, then God sees something in us. God wants to use us to make an impact, to make a change in this world. He wants us to be the person that builds the bridge from person to Jesus. God wants us to be messengers of light for him. God sees something in us that maybe we can't see within ourselves. So this should spring up a, a hope, a fountain of water inside of you that just pushes you to 
find out what that is to keep going, to keep being used by God. And it doesn't have to be all these extraordinary things. It can be so ordinary. It could be literally you go into work and you say, hi, Jessica, you look beautiful today. Well, Jessica just got cheated on by her boyfriend and she's heartbroken and she's comparing herself to someone. And you know what? That helps her feel good about herself. You know, you may get an extra taco through the drive-thru on accident. Or maybe you did it and you see someone who's starving and you say, hey, you want this taco? Wow, you were an answer to their prayer. It doesn't have to be such extraordinary things. This is where we, this is what the devil tries to, to, to use comparison. When we see people doing big things in their lives, big things, we see, you know, pastors running these big missions where they go into Africa and they feed the homeless and they send all of these things and they're blessing other people and they have 50 churches and they have all this and they have all that. And so then now you're comparing yourself to this person with, you know, the, the Louis V, the perfect husband, the big house, all these clothes, all these things. You're comparing yourself and you're saying, wow, I'm not doing the same things that this pastor is doing. I don't have the same things that this woman has. I work hard. When is my time coming? Well, guess what? God is still using you. God has still blessed you. Look at what you have. It's better to compare yourself to people who have less than you than to people who have more than you. Because when you compare yourself to people who have less than you, it humbles you. You're like, wow, I can't believe I was just comparing myself to this woman who has 30,000 pieces of different type of designers and 300 designer bags. When this person literally doesn't even have clothes. Well, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. This person is so cold out in the in the winter time. They don't have a jacket. Well, I'm blessed. I have five jackets. Wow, this pastor, you know, they may have a big church, but I just talked to someone. I just gave one person a message. One person heard me and they said that I helped them and that I'm and that they could hear God through me. Wow, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. There's some people who don't even have a relationship with God and they're so lost that they can't help others. They can't even help themselves. Wow, I'm blessed. It's better to compare ourselves to less than it is to more because it humbles us and it gives us a grateful heart and a grateful spirit and a thankful mindset and attitude towards Jesus. So y'all, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be so focused on putting down the weed I wouldn't be so focused on putting this down if you feel like God's not going to accept you. Like how a lot of Christians and religious people portray. Oh no, you have to come clean in the, in the sight of God. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God wants you. God wants you. Come to him now. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. You could be listening to this in the trap house. You could be listening to this and you just had sex out of marriage like there's so many things that are sin but God wants your heart he wants a relationship with you and all the rest will come he will convict you in your in his own timing when he knows that you're ready when you're finally able to put things down and I'm not saying that if we know better it's okay to do it that's not what I'm saying at all but what I'm saying is that God doesn't care about religion, even Christianity. He cares that you believe in him, that you love 
others how he loves you and that you form a relationship with him that continues to grow and grow and grow over the years, over the weeks, over the months, over the days, over the decades. God, that's, this is what God cares about. This is what truly matters. And God will help you through anything that you're going through. In the shack, this man had one of the worst pains that someone could experience in life. And he was buried deep in depression. And he was angry at God for allowing this to happen. And he even thought he did it. But even then, religious people would judge him and be like, he turned his back on God, he's not a true believer. But even then, God had a special moment for him. Had a special encounter with him. So that way, you could hear this message right now. Thousands and millions of people who heard this message from him. It made an impact. It made an impact. Through bad, through evil, through what the devil tried to to still kill and destroy, God used it for a powerful message. Right now, letting you know that he doesn't care if you know all the scriptures. He doesn't care if you're perfect, righteous. God wants you in your heart. So you guys, I pray that this message blessed you. If you know someone who is unsure about Jesus, unsure about God, share this to them. Pray for them. Maybe they will be open to listening to it. If not, at least you know you tried. If only one person listens to this message right now and they get it and it clicks, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for using me to speak to your child, to your children. If you're listening to this right now and you're not a believer and you listen to it this far through, yes, there's people who will not judge you because they know that they're sinners too. They know that they have a lot to work on too. They just want you to have eternal life. They just want you to have a relationship with God. They just want you to have peace in this world. This world is so evil right now. And my prayer to you today is that you just give Jesus a chance. You just give God a chance. Go to him as you are. Seek him genuinely. And watch how God speaks to you and shows up in your life and changes you for the better. Your whole life will have a transformation. Just like the man that couldn't walk was sitting in depression, you're going to be just like that man. His whole life did a whole 360. He was able to walk. He was out of depression. He was hopeful. He was joyful. This is what God wants to do in your life. And if you are a believer, this is still what God wants to do in your life. Because although we like to think, I'm a believer, I would never give up on God. I would never go down the wrong path again. Never say never. Something could happen that could hurt your heart. You could feel like God broke your heart. What are you going to do? Run to him? Sometimes it's hard to do that. God, you took my father. You took my father. You let him struggle through this sickness. 
suffer through the sickness. You took my father, God. You took my child, God. You let them die. There's things in life that are very hard that test our hearts towards God. But even then, God still understands. And he'll do a Mac. That's the guy in the name, uh, the shack, the book, and the movie. He'll do a Mac search. Mac was angry. Mac was hurt, depressed, further away from God. But God said, this is my child. He's been sitting in this depression for too long. We need to do something about this. I have something so special for him. And one of the things that God said, I'm about to cry right now. One of the things that God kept saying in that movie and in that book and to Mac and his experience with the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm especially fond of her. I'm especially fond of him. I'm especially fond of her laugh. I'm especially fond of his insert. God is especially fond of you. There's something about you. God is especially fond of. You're the apple of his eye. I know that we like to believe religion and all of these things that, oh, I'm a sinner. God's mad at me. God's angry at me. God's punishing me. No, honey. God doesn't need to punish us. Sin is the punishment. It's the universal law in this world. If you sin, sin has consequences. Sin has punishments. This is why God gets us to stop sinning. This is why we are sinners. This is why Jesus came to us. So, you guys, yeah. I pray that this blessed you. And, yeah, no, God is especially fond of you. And we're going to be like Jesus in this generation. We're going to rise up and we're going to step on the Pharisees' toes. And we're going we're gonna to flip tables. And we're going to defend the prostitutes, the cursors, the people who are behind on their taxes, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. There's so much. We're going to be like Jesus. And we're going to do some new things. God says, I am doing a new thing. Jesus said, greater works will you do. So we're going to be the Jesus in people's lives. We're going to be the light and we're going to let people know that God loves you. God just wants your heart. He just wants a relationship with you. The rest will come. What God has for you. What he wants to change in you, what he wants to prune in you, what he wants to burden you, what he wants to whatever in you. That's going to come in time when God knows you're ready, when God's ready to do this in your life. So, yeah, you guys. Oh, this is a good word. I love, 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 love Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love who you were. I love who you represented to be. You're just straight up love. God is just love. God is just purely love. Love, love, love. I love God. We need to be more like him. We need to seek him. But most importantly, we need to know that God is especially fond of us. God is especially fond of us. So, yeah, you guys, until next time, God bless.